0: It's summertime, and summertime means ice cream, at least in my book and at my home. So uh, last night, it was, uh, we had a little dinner, and uh, it, was, it was like, we had something that the kids didn't necessarily love, um, which doesn't happen very often, my wife's a good cook, but the kids were like, they were, so I said, here's the deal, if you clean your plate, and, and my son Mason had quite a pile, and he kinda looked at me like, please no, please no, please no, if you clean your plate, we're going to Yogurtini. And he looks at me like, you had to say that. So he shoveled it down, Faith shoveled it down. It was actually really good, but we got to go to Yogurtini. And while we're there, uh, Faith, my youngest, um, I watched her and she piled hers high. I was trying to be conservative. I didn't do too much. you know. I'm trying, trying to you know watch what I eat, which doesn't happen too well. Uh, those of you that know me know that's a, that's a challenge. And so she says to me, I'm kind of looking around. I figure I can get my little bit of ice cream because I know I'm gonna sample my kids. So uh, I'm looking over at Faith and, and she's usually really sweet about this. She says, when I get full, you can have mine. Uh, and I kept trying and, and she, she let me have a bite, but she never got full. She ate it all and uh, she never gave me hers. So I was a little disappointed. And, and I may have had a selfish motivation, but you know, as I raise up my kids, I wanna teach them to share. And uh, Faith is actually really good at that. She's probably the best, my other kids know it. She she's usually really good at that But as I thought about it jesus wants his people to share now in a different way And we're going to talk about that a little bit But I want you to turn to acts chapter 8 and I want to set the stage We'll have our bibles uh, our our uh, ushers come here in a minute To pass out a bible if you need one But I want to set the stage for where we're at the last several chapters acts 5 through 7 We see that there's been great persecution. There's been spiritual warfare There's been an explosion of growth Uh, If you remember, Peter preaches, and 3,000 people uh, come to faith in Jesus at at one time. And so there's this explosion. Like Pastor Christian mentioned last week, there's some breaking of old traditions. It didn't used to be anybody could serve. It was only the Levites. Now anybody can serve. So there's some breaking of old traditions. And then, of course, uh, we see that there's this great persecution, literally, that should have caused the church to crumble. But that's not what happened. They, they literally all should have quit. And after Acts chapter seven, we saw that Stephen, who had just been killed, he had laid out literally from Abraham uh, to Isaac to Moses, he lays out the, the, uh, the kind of the genealogy of the, the church. And then he ends it with Jesus and says, and you all killed him and they raise up. I don't know if you could picture an Old Testament stoning or not. It, Probably it's not a good thing to do so right now, but they literally would take big stones and they would literally crush the person's head. And then they said they laid their garments at the feet of a man. His name was Saul. And we'll learn about him more in the coming weeks, of course, who later became Paul. But the, the church should have quit. But as I think about Stephen, I'm reminded of a man by the name of Nate Saint. Some of you may know who Nate Saint is. He grew up, and what he wanted to do with his life is he wanted to be a missionary pilot. He wanted to fly around. You see a picture of him. He flew around, and he would uh, uh, bring supplies to people who were on the mission field, and, and he was all the time praying about who did God have for him to reach, and he had noticed in Ecuador this people group called the Aka Indians or the Wildoni, if I'm saying that right. Well, they, they were, what they had heard about him was these were a dangerous people, and he felt God calling him that he started dropping a little bit of supplies. He was trying to kind of make, make a, a, a way for him to make connection. And so him and four other people decided to land their plane and approach them. Well, it was the last thing they ever did. Instead of it going well, it went as worse as, po- as it possibly could, and all, all of the men were killed. And so you would have thought that that would have caused It to stop that nobody else would want to reach out to him. What's interesting is that his sister Rachel, his son Steve, and another one of the guys' uh, husbands Elizabeth Elliot uh, went off to share and ended up leading many of the Wildani to Jesus and spent uh, almost forty years living with them. And they produced a movie called End of the Spear." And if you haven't seen it, it's a really great story of about them reaching out and, and forgiveness. And so as we see Stephen's story, like Nate's story, it inspired others. They didn't quit. They didn't just decide, no, we can't do it. Things went bad. We can never go try to reach those people in Ecuador. The people at the time of Stephen didn't say, that's it. We can never speak up about Jesus again, see what happened, because every Christian, Considered themselves workers in Jesus' church. The ministry just continued wherever they went. Yes, there was a scattering, but they continued to serve Jesus. An example is Philip. Now, this is not the Apostle Philip. If you were to name the 12 disciples, Philip would be one of them. But there was also another Philip, and this is the Philip we're going to read about today. He was one of the, the deacons, one of the men who were raised up to help serve And we see it in Acts chapter 6, but I want you to turn now to Acts chapter 8, and I want to read this account to you, so follow with me in your Bible. We'll read 1 through 8, and then 26 through 40. It says, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. You see this persecution. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with streaks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Verse 26, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. We actually have one of our gals in Ethiopia right now, uh, uh, ministering to a a missions group that she works with. So we have people in Israel and Ethiopia, and soon we'll have people in a few different uh, continents worshiping and ministering. So an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip. And as I hear that, I always wonder if God was speaking to you, if the Holy Spirit speaking to you, are you listening? And would you respond like he responds and he takes actions? He takes action. Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This passage of scripture, the eunuch was reading. And what's interesting is actually from Isaiah 53. It's an awesome old Testament scripture that points to Jesus as the Messiah. It says this, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So here's Philip. He's been raised up by the apostles, and he literally is now doing great works. Despite the persecution, this servant of Jesus, he is traveling around faithfully serving no matter what happens. And so I have a key thought, and I want you to listen to this. If the power of the church, if the power of the church was the power of the leaders rather than the power of the people, then the church would have been over. Did you catch that? If the power of the church was just the power of the leaders rather than the power of the people, then the church would have been over. And and here's why. Because all of the people had been scattered by persecution. And so if ISIS was to come into Lee's Summit next week and scatter everybody and and, and and I showed up, and the four other pastors showed up next week, and it was just us. I can tell you that the impact of JCI would be so diminished. Because the power is not in just the leaders. The power is in the people. The people who were making things happen. Like Philip, who even though there was a persecution, he didn't give up. He didn't go run and hide. He got busy serving God. Look at verse 1. Uh, It says again, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So it didn't get weaker. It didn't die. The church didn't run off. It got stronger. It got stronger because Philip and others who were like him literally had been given permission to do something. They'd been given permission to do something, and they just kept doing ministry even while they were on the run. And I want you to catch this. Here's how it applies to you and I today. Philip was was no longer sitting at the feet of the apostles. Right, they would, they would teach. It said they met daily and they would teach the scriptures and they would learn the scriptures and they would pray and they would break bread together. That, that was not happening. And if it was happening, it was happening in a much smaller scale because of the scattering. So Pil- Philip was no longer sitting at the feet of the apostles, uh, learning like he had before. He was now using what he had learned to go impact other people. And what about you? Is the same thing happening in your life? Because ultimately, the spiritual story of your life, the spiritual story of your life is not the sermons you heard. It's what you're gonna do with your life. It's, it's the ministry you do. It's not, it's not five years from now, you go, man, I remember that awesome sermon. Yeah, that was a good one. No, you're gonna remember what you did with it. You're gonna remember the lives impacted and hopefully you're hand in hand serving with some people who you impacted because of what happened in your life, perhaps through that sermon. So this is the transition that we're asking you to make. If you've come in here and wherever you're at in your spiritual walk as a church that reaches people far from God, we hope you'll get engaged and we hope you'll start serving. We hope you'll help us to, to, to become a passionate Christian and then go help reach others. Because the Bible teaches that the church is the strongest when all the people are engaged in building God's church. It's at its strongest when everybody's serving. And, and this is something I want you to walk away with today and you never forget it. The the church is actually the church when the body ministers to the body. And I've heard great stories of that even this week. You see, when people in a small group minister to each other, the church is being the church. When people who serve together minister to one another, the, the church... Is being the church, It's the body is ministering to the body. When people who sit by each other, and some of you sit by each other every week, when you begin to help each other, encourage each other, then the church is being the church. And when you minister to your neighbors, and when students reach out to other friends at church or other kids in the youth group and help them, and how you doing, and let me encourage you in your walk. And like last week when a, when a homeless man is helped get a meal at a Waffle House, the church is being the church. And so I want you to turn to this text, and I want to share with you today, we're going to talk about becoming like Philip. So look at Ephesians chapter 4 with me, Ephesians chapter 4. So from Acts, go to the right, you'll run into it. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 13 says this, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip. His people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure measure of the fullness of Christ. So according to Ephesians chapter 4, God designed His church to be a place where people were trained. God designed His church to be a place where people are trained to minister and then sent out to minister. And we're building a building and we're in the process of it. We've got, we've been in planning meetings, we've been in architect meetings, we've been in bid meetings, we've been in city meetings and things are going great. We are, we are moving right along in our building process. So it's an exciting time for us. We've got pictures of, of what the plans look like. And we'll obviously, as we get more and more towards those final, we'll be able to share a little bit more about where we're at and what we're doing. And God uses church buildings. He does. He uses church buildings but he uses them more as medical schools than hospitals. So, you know, we, we want to have a, a hospital as a church, but we also have to be equipping. And so we, we can't just have a church that's only giving medical attention where no one is ever being equipped. Because as Ephesians four says, we're to be built up, we're to find unity in the faith, and we're to become mature. And that's what should happen. And we're excited and honored that we'll have a church that will act as a hospital. And we're, we'll have ministries that will continue to be able to help people who are going through tough times, help people who are struggling through an addiction and other, other things that they need help with. But we are all as a congregation to get spiritually healed. We're to, we're to get built up so that we can be equipped to help more people. You know, the apostles were important, right? The apostles, no doubt, they literally launched the church, they launched the church. And we know that God's church uses full-time pastors. We have full-time pastors here that God uses. But, but we need to make sure that as we go forward, if we're going to be a church that impacts a lot of people in our community, then, then the pastors have to become more professors than just doctors. They have to become more professors than just doctors. So if you, if you follow me here, our church can be one that there's a team of five doctors who just minister to all the needs of everybody, or we can become a church who has professors as, as, as pastors who we help equip you, our small group leaders help equip you, our team leaders help equip you, so that we're a church of 500 going out and ministering on behalf of Jesus. We're a congregation of 500 impacting uh, Cass County, Jackson County, Johnson County, all around us. Which do you think will have more impact? Five doctors? or 500, 500 out doing something for God. You know, the Belgian draft horse is powerful. It can do a lot. It can, it can literally pull 8,000 pounds. There's competitions that see which draft horse, which Belgian draft horse can pull the most. You'd think two of them would pull 16,000 pounds, but they don't. They pull 24,000 pounds, and that's without any training, without any special working together for a while. They can work up to 24,000. No, if you'll actually kind of train them and help them and give them a little uh, nudging, they can pull up to 32,000 pounds, just two of them. So here's the deal. We want all of us, if our church would all come together, all of us serving together, all of us trained up to minister. You know, we work in leadership development and things in our church where when we have huddles, it isn't just, hey, rah, 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 how was your weekend? Yay, go God. God. No, we're, we're developing, we want people to soul care. We want people to help learn how to recruit so other people can, can, can grow in their faith. If we're all working in the same direction, think about how we'll be able to accomplish our mission, right? Our, our mission, we, we say it every week, not just we want, you know, not, not because we are going to have a quiz, although on, as a staff, we do have quizzes in the first couple of years of our church, you know, we would have a, a pop quiz at staff meeting. All right, pop quiz, what's our mission statement? I mean, doesn't it make sense? We ought to know. Doesn't it make sense if we're a church? We want you to know. So we say it not just so you can memorize it and rattle it off, but so that it's in your mind. We exist to see people who are far from God become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. And, and we, we want people to know it and we want people to serve because we know that as we serve, it has impact on our soul. I've had a number of conversations with people who literally have said, I never knew serving could have a spiritual impact in my life. I've been in small groups where they've told me, hey, you all need to. I, I've had great spiritual growth by serving. And so it, it did that in my life. I can remember my wife and I gave our lives to, to Christ 18 years ago. We, we were far from God. And we, we, we gave our lives to Christ and we started serving. Just little bits at a time. And then it became, we boy, we could see we were growing. And then we, we were there every time the doors were open. We wanted to help. What can we do? We'll do anything. And we and we did anything. And it, it had a spiritual impact in my life. I have no doubt it's, it's a big reason why I'm in full-time ministry today. Because I just, along the way, I was encouraged and, not, uh, uh, and, and pushed to say, hey, serving is going to help change your life. And it did. And so we have some of our volunteers who we have who we've uh, heard their stories and we want to share with you this little short video of how serving has impacted a few of our volunteers. My name is Sabrina and I serve in student ministry. I serve with the youth because I have a passion for seeing these kids own their faith um, and really get to know who Jesus is on a personal level. Some of the rewards of serving with the youth have been watching the relationships develop between the kids um, and getting to develop relationships with them myself and getting to see their eyes open to who God is and all that He has in store for their lives. My name is Scott and I serve in the Next Steps and also I help out with small groups. Serving at JCI is helping me grow deeper in relationship with new friends and being used to help them make a next step in their spiritual walk. I'm normally a quiet, reserved person. It's given me the courage to step out of my comfort zone and become bolder in my faith. My name is Rachel and I serve on the protection team and help out at the office during the week. I would say the best reward is that serving teaches you so much about who God is no matter what level your relationship is or where your walk with Him is at. In just a year and a half, I've been able to serve on the mission field in Kenya, ministering to hurting orphans and widows, learning of a new level of love that no idea even existed from God himself. We can literally do a story like that almost every week because we have so many great, great volunteers who have been impacted. Their lives have been changed. So my challenge to you is would you like to just go to church or do you want to become the church? Because the church is what goes out of here and ministers and helps people so with that thought as a backdrop, here's what you need to know today. Number one, that is that God wants to use you. He wants to use you. And we've shared this verse, Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And then I love Second Timothy chapter 2 because I want people to serve, but I also know that as you serve, and as you read your Bible, and as you come to church, God will start to work on your heart. And I told you that I was far from God when I walked into a church in 1996. I was far from God. And I know that along the way, God started to work in my life and clean my life up. And he started to get some things out that didn't need to be there. And he started washing me and cleaning me and helping me to be more and more useful for him. Anybody, we, we, we want you to serve. But we know that as you do, God will work on your life. And here's what Ephesians or 2 Timothy 2, 20 through 21 says. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. I want my life to be clean and holy. I want to live the best I can so that God will continue to do great things through me. Not because of me, but great things through me. I want to be able to impact people for God. And I don't want to have that not happen because I I decided, well, I don't want to to get some things out of my life that need to be out of there. So each of us was created by God to do something. And you don't even have to ponder it. You don't even have to say, God, do you want to use me? Because the answer is yes. God wants to. You don't even have to think about that. And, And you've got to realize that because you're a Christian, number two is that God has gifted you to serve. He's gifted you. If you are a follower of Jesus, he has gifted you to serve. Romans 12 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. I do not want you to be uninformed. 1 Corinthians 12 7. Now to each one, to each of us, to each believer, the manifestation of the Spirit, spiritual gifts, is given for the common good, good for the church, for the purposes of the church. And you have to realize the biggest opportunity a person has for, for, for development is to find out how and where they're gifted to serve. That's, that's one of the, the greatest and most important opportunities you have is to find out where you're gifted to serve. And that's why fall small groups are going to be great for you because I'm right now working and developing along the shape model which Saddleback created. It's a shape model, and it is one that helps people to determine what, uh, what they should serve in, what area they might be called to, how God has gifted them. And so the shape is a, an acronym. The S is for spiritual gift. We will help you determine what your spiritual gifts are. So we'll walk you through that. We'll help you to determine, what do I have a heart for? What is it that burns within me that every time I see it, I want to do something? What do I have abilities at? How has God given me certain abilities? What's my personality? Maybe you're outgoing, maybe you're not. Maybe, maybe you have a, more of a support role. Maybe one of you say, hey, I would like to do this that's a little more outgoing. E, uh, what is your experience? Some of you say, I have gone through this and this. And I don't know if God can use me. And, you'll, and, and we'll say, guess what? Because you've gone through this and this, guess who you get to minister to? The people who are right now going through that and we'll help you to figure out what your shape is and forever you're going to know for the rest of your life how God has prepared you to serve. So I want to encourage you to get involved in a small a small group this fall. Now, many of ours have taken a break for the summer. It uh, gives the host a little bit of a break, but they're they're, you know, they're meet for barbecues, they're getting together to serve from time to time. So, but we're going to we'll launch some new ones this fall. So some of you who haven't gotten involved in one, want to be a part of one, we'll have some new ones this fall. We had 30 groups meet this last semester, uh, so we'll have a few more than that here for the fall. But I want to encourage you to get involved in one. Rick Warren says, service is the pathway to real significance. It's through ministry that we discover the meaning of our lives. And I believe that. Number three, our church will have greater impact in our community if you become like Philip. If you decide to be a minister like Philip was. If you decide to go out and minister and help people. And some of you think, well, you know what? I've got to figure out exactly what I'm good at before I start. I can't do anything in the church until I... That shape thing, that fall thing sounds good. I'll, I'll serve like November. I believe that you should serve now because as you do so, you'll have a couple of months to have an idea of, you know what, this is really what I'm called for, or please don't ever make me do that again. That was not fun. That was not good. That, that wouldn't fit for me. I was anxious every time I came to church. No, I want you to get involved now, because I believe that as you do so, and as you walk through the shape process, you'll go, I've got some hands-on experience to tell me that, man, this is absolutely where I'm shaped to be. So I want to encourage you to do that. I want you to say yes to the do something challenge. And we've actually had 20 more people last week sign up to do something. We've had 51 total people to already say, I want to get involved. And that means that you're willing sometime in the month of June to start serving. Maybe it's one time. Maybe you get in a rotation every other week. That's up to you. We're hoping that at least maybe you would come and Do an orientation and figure out where would you like to serve if you want to serve. And you might sign up for something, three weeks later go, you know what, that wasn't for me. That's fine. We'll get the piece of paper back out and say, where else would you like to try? We'll be glad to help you figure that out. But here are the the areas. General administration. uh, We've got folks that work with the the bulletins during the week. Uh, We've got folks that do some other administrative roles uh, during the week. We have campus support. All the things you see set up around the auditorium, around the nursery, uh, in the children's area, set up and tear down. Family ministry, if you'd like to work with someone uh, who's, a, who's an infant or if you'd like to help someone who's in preschool. Uh, if you'd like to help someone in the J-Kids area, student ministry, you can even maybe circle that. If you know well, student ministries for me, that's my first choice. So I'd like you to put a, like a 1.0 and then maybe a two, and we don't want you to sign up for everything because then we don't know how to really follow up with you. But put a one next to your favorite thing and two, and then we'll walk you through that. And then creative arts, all this stuff you see up here and the, the sound system, the team that records our messages, puts them online, we need technical folks and non-technical. So you, you say, I, I like that stuff, but I'm not as technical. That's okay, there are areas that you can get involved with. You don't have to be a genius at a computer or a genius with a lighting system. They'll they'll work with you. They'll train you. They'll teach you that if you'd like to know that And then next steps We've got folks back at the next steps table who who pray with people who need prayer who try to walk them through the steps of You know if they want to get baptized if they want to uh, say hey, I want to grow spiritually What should I do? We'll walk them through how they can grow in their faith So those are the areas if you'd like to do that, please check a box do something. I think you'll uh, you'll be uh, Amazed, you know as as mason and I pulled out of the driveway this morning He comes with me every week, I'm proud of my son, he's doing something, he's been serving with me for almost four years, we get up at 4.30 to come, we leave the house, this morning when I preached, we came a little bit later, he was like, that was a little easier dad, to come a little bit later. I said, yeah, but right as we got in our car, the song that was on was, he's looking at me like, thanks buddy, do something. Remember, I said, here we go. That's exactly what I'm preaching on. It was Do Something by Matthew West. I said, amen. That's, that was a sign. Thank you, Lord, And uh, you're going to be with me as I preach today. So do something. And I want you to realize that the power of God works through his people. The power of God works through his people. It is shown through you every Sunday you come here, every week you're in your neighborhood being kind to someone, loving on someone, helping someone in need. God's power works through you. I saw an article recently. Actually, I saw this little short video. And there was a guy on there. It was a uh, a homeless guy. And there there was a guy who said, I want to give him 100 bucks, And I want to see what happens. And uh, so he walks up to him and he just says, hey, here's $100. No strings attached. Here's $100. And the guy's blown away, as you can imagine. He's like, are you, are you sure? What? What are you doing? He just said, "No, I want—I want to give you this hundred bucks. Do with it what you want." So it was an experiment. He—he decided he would follow him, and so he followed this guy, and he sees him go into a liquor store, a convenience store, and he thought, "Uh "Uh-oh, I hope it's not what he's going to do." And he comes carrying these bags out, and he's—he's got three kind of kind of large, kind of like Walmart bags, and so he starts following them, and they follow him about a quarter mile up the road into a park. And he walks up to this, uh, this, uh, this guy, and he says, here, and he gives him some food. And the guy who gave him the money is just blown away, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he does it. Let's follow him again. He follow, follows him around the corner, and he sees that there's these two older ladies who are sitting on this park bench, and he starts pulling out money, or pulling out uh, food to give to them. And he's like, I cannot believe, I have got to go talk to this guy. And so he comes up, and he confronts him. He says, look, I, I got to confess, I gave you this money. It was kind of an experiment. I thought I'd see what you do, but you have blown me away. And he actually gave him another $100. He said, what you did today, I was so blown away by your, you, were, you, 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 you had been fed. You had been given money, and you took it and went to help somebody else. I am blown away by what you've done. And so I want to encourage you, as I thought, I thought you and I are being fed every week. Last night, I fed my kids some ice cream. Didn't share much, but they got some ice cream. But like this kind-hearted homeless man, my question is, will you now go and feed others? You've been fed. Will you now choose to go and serve to help somebody else if someone who didn't believe in Jesus thought, I'm going to follow those JCI people this week and see, they're getting fed over there. Let's see if they go do anything about it. Would they be amazed by the stories they would see? Would they be blown away? Would there be YouTube postings of all these people that are living out their faith and doing something for Jesus? I hope so. I want to pray so. If you would, let's pray.